Welcome to You Hate Movies, the podcast in which casual moviegoers, film lovers, and cinephiles argue about movies. The God of Thunder is back, but is there any thunder left in a decidedly uncinematic Marvel universe bogged down with underwhelming non-events and Disney TV shows? In a lot of ways, we've entered a really sad part of the timeline. You know what I mean, Tyler? The Marvel timeline? Yeah, I mean, I actually just meant like the real world timeline, but in a sense, Uh, I meant that as well. Yeah. Think back. I thought you meant the Marvel timeline. Well, I meant the way our timeline interacts with the Marvel timeline. Yeah. Before we hit record on this episode, at the insistence of Tyler and Patrick, uh, I watched a very bad trailer for She-Hulk that then they told me was infinitely better than the original trailer yeah. for She-Hulk. That's yeah. true, yeah. Because nowadays, that's what Marvel Studios does. They make Disney TV shows... For kids. For kids to put on their streaming service. But there was a time not so long ago when Marvel Studios um, specialized exclusively in big-budget, 200-plus million-dollar films that made a billion dollars at the box office and that we all went to see as a, as a popular culture. And we talked about them and we said, Oh, how's this going to connect to the other one? And there were a lot of them at the time. It seemed to us, there would be like more than one coming out in a year. Wow. Mm -hmm. It's incredible. But in the big scheme of things and compared to now, there were so few. (laughs) Good grief. Yeah. There'd be like four in a phase, four or five in a phase, like phase one, is Iron Man, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Captain America, Captain America First Thor, Avenger, Thor, and, and Avengers. There's a movie for each character, two for Iron Man, because he was the big money maker at the time. And then they all came together in one movie. Mm-hmm. It seemed unheard of. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like if that was all we got, man, that was really something, an event. Mm-hmm. And when Avengers came around, it was... Such a satisfying experience that even people who didn't participate in the lead-up were going to see that. The proof was in the pudding. It made more money than any other movie. Rose to the top of the charts. Became the highest-grossing film of all time, you know, underneath James Cameron's movies. Mm -hmm. And we all said, wow, did you see that? People were talking. As Tyler would say, groundswell. Streets Mm -hmm. was talking, fam. Mm -hmm. Wow, did you see Avengers yet? Mm -hmm. It's so good. Avengers is bay, y'all. And then Marvel said, man, that's just the beginning. We're now entering phase two. There's going to be more of these. And even then, it was manageable. It was all the same characters got another movie mm-hmm. leading up to another Avengers movie. They introduced Guardians with it's the introduction, introduction of yeah. just one new team. Mm-hmm. And you know what? That might have been the best one in the phase. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And everyone's like, who the heck are these guys? And we thought they could do no wrong, we says to ourselves. We says... When that trailer came around, how's this movie going to be successful? It's got a talking tree and an anthropomorphic raccoon with guns in the trailer mm-hmm. with pop songs from the 70s. Marvel's lost it. They've lost it. They'll never recover. Nope. It was one of the best ones so far, if not the best one so far. Captain America Part 2 came around, and Marvel said, we're going to give it to the guys who directed Community, the sitcom. Mm-hmm. We said, now, now you've lost it, Marvel. It's over. You dropped the ball. Nope. That was the best one that came out so far. <laughs> These guys were unstoppable, movie after movie. The sequel to Thor, 
that was the worst one at the time, and we still left the theater being like, that was fun. Yeah. Dark World. Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen Dark World recently? No. It, it's, it's, uh, I haven't seen it since the theaters. <laughs> it's, a, it's a solid Marvel film. It I don't probably know, feels really solid nowadays. I don't know why yeah. people really hate on it. It's solid. Because it came we out were around the time of Winter Soldier and Guardians of the Galaxy. The bar was too high. Yeah, that's true. The bar was too high. I remember there being like some satisfying action set pieces and some big monsters that he fights and stuff like that. I thought that was cool. Yeah, yeah it's, it's good. They stepped up the Thor action, even if the medieval world of Asgard seemed a little kind of uh, distant from the rest of the Marvel world. But hey, we liked all that cosmic stuff in Guardians, so what do we know? Then there was Age of Ultron, and we were saying, man, it's still great. They still got it. They can do no wrong. Got, all this got enhanced in the field. Got Age, what? Age of Ultron enhanced. Yep. Got in enhanced in the field. Yeah, we're bringing in X-Men characters, but they're not they're not X-Men characters. They're just enhanced. It was great. It was beautiful. And then when they started saying, you know what? We're going to do our kooky people now. Here comes Ant-Man. We said, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. But it was like, wait, now what? There's a, is an Ant-Man? But it's Paul Rudd. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Great. Sure. And we saw it, and we said, yeah, heck yeah. I'm ready to see that guy be in the, in the rest of the movies. They brought Spider-Man in. Everything was coming up aces. Then they brought in Captain Marvel. Yeah. <laughs> that was four, right? That was phase four, that was was it? between Infinity War and Endgame. Oh, wow. Oh, goodness. I didn't realize that that's where it sat in the... Yeah, because they were like, oh, because people, <laughs> people were all mad that we were going to have to see her in the final movie. <laughs> I remember that being like a mm-hmm. like, oh great, we're gonna do, she's gonna be the the kind of silver bullet to all this. Mm-hmm. We got yeah. Black Panther, Black Panther, was solid. Yeah. That was, yeah. in Civil War was yeah very good. Was an Avengers movie, Civil, yeah. Much. Civil War was it was like a treat. They said it was gonna be Captain America three. Surprise! It was a secret was extra secret bonus Avengers, Avengers movie. Yeah. <laughs> the thing was amazing, and even though I, I mean I guess I didn't care for Captain Marvel, but. Movies that, at this point, weren't the top of the mountain experiences like Guardians, where you leave the theater being like, "Holy cow, man! I didn't, I had no idea the movie's going to be that good." Uh, like an Ant Man or like a Black Panther for me personally, which is like, "Oh, that was really cool." Uh, not necessarily a game changer, but that was really cool. It was consistent. It was at a consistent bar. The bar stayed between really good and really excellent. Mm-hmm. That's that's not bad. Yeah, I feel like there's only a handful of those in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I would say Guardians is one where you walk out going, "That was an excellent movie." Yeah, that was unique. I would even say, among these. yeah, un- unexpectedly <clears throat> excellent. Guardians, I-, I would say Civil War and Ragnarok. Ragnarok is special. Ragnarok yeah. is special. Yeah, and then the the final two Avengers movies even though they're dependent on everything going into them to make them what they are, mm-hmm. are still special cinematic experiences. Well, yeah. I mean, Infinity you, War in particular is... Well, it's like the perfect finale. Yeah. yeah, that's a perfect finale in that they, they took a risk and made a, made a blockbuster film where they lose. Yeah. Watch two and a half hours of them And then you have to wait losing. a year to see what happens. Yeah. You know something's coming, but you have to wait. That is... Every, Very brave. Everybody dies. And it's like a pump the brakes ending, too. The, they lose, 
And within a minute of watching every character die, the Focus credits over. roll. Credits. Yeah. With Alan Silvestri's bittersweet yeah. score playing quiet, and everyone's like, oh, what? are you freaking kidding me? What? Yeah. It's over? Yeah, that yeah. was special. That's and a moment. not to mention the fact that even at that point, they were still managing to recreate the satisfaction of the first Avengers movie where you're seeing like, oh my God, I can't believe that Iron Man and Captain America and Thor are all on screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, they're introducing Hawkeye and putting Black Widow in the mix. But in Infinity War, after a really strong, like right into the action opening where Spider-Man's back and there's aliens fighting in New York with Doctor Strange and then the Guardians, you know, the Alyssa Milano is the name of his ship, like flies through uh, the spa- space and they're all in there dancing. You're like, oh, my God, these guys are in it now. We yeah. knew that was coming, but it was such a satisfying thing to be like, they're actually fully in this world. Yeah. Yeah, see, the, there's like big moments in Infinity War where they're like meeting each other. Yeah. You know, the, that, when they that, meet that's Thor like a, and stuff like that. It's like that. an iconic scene now with, with, um, Iron Man and Spider-Man and Doctor Strange meeting the Guardians of the Galaxy. Who, which master do you serve? What do you want me to say? Jesus? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh, you know Thor? So yeah. Not that good looking, needed saving? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, you're taking that's, me that's back. great stuff. It really is. And then, once you finally get through Infinity War, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know one other m- movie moment in, like in cinematic history that's had a bigger audience reaction than Endgame. Yeah, I've never been in a theater right. like yeah. that. Where everybody starts cheering. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, it was amazing. And if you think about it, the the risks that they still manage to take, people love to pick on Marvel movies for being formulaic, and they are. It's a fair critique. But in their defense, they're like, we've found the formula that works, so we exploit it. But they still have enough, you know, courage to take a few risks by, even though we all knew that there was going to be some kind of event that would resolve at least some of those deaths, if not all of those deaths. I mean, that's just comic book logic anyway. No comic book character ever stays dead. Um, It still is pretty incredible to kill them off in a movie. And the ones that they chose to kill off. I mean, they killed off a lot of the big tier characters like Spider-Man, Black Panther, uh, you know, the most of the Guardians. Most of the Guardians. So yeah. that in in game, you, they, I think maybe as a creative writing exercise, those two dudes who wrote Winter Soldier and Civil War and then Infinity War and Endgame. Um, Maybe they were like, who would be funny to have left to work with? So it's like Rocket Raccoon <laughs> mm-hmm. is now one of the only quote-unquote Avengers left hanging around with Ant-Man and Hawkeye. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's the lady's name? Nebula? Yeah. From Gar- the, the it's just bad Nebula guy gone and Iron good Man guy. for a while. There. Yeah, Nebula and Iron Man are forced to live on a spaceship together for the first few minutes of Endgame. Yeah. Endgame opens so dark. You're watching Iron Man slowly die. Super yeah. somber. Yeah. Yeah, but and I think that they were trying to, with Endgame, dial it back down to the original six, six, right? Mm, yeah, it seems yeah. like they wanted a manageable ensemble. They took it back down to the original six because they honored them, you know, their characters at the end and the credits with their signatures and everything. The actors, if you remember the 
how, yeah. it, how oh, yeah. it rolls out. Um, so they wanted to get it back down to the original six as like a farewell to them. And I thought it worked really well, them having to be the ones to save everyone. It was great, yeah. And with support from characters that you wouldn't expect them to be left behind. And then out of that, you're still getting great gags like when they get on the spaceship, Rocket's like, who hasn't been to space? And, you know, and a couple of the characters yep. raise their hands yep. and you're like, oh, that's true. You, the audience, are going, that's true. Those two haven't been to yeah. space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and really, really satisfying to see. You're at a point where, and I, this occurred to me recently because uh, I've been trying to get my kids to watch Marvel movies and they've shown no interest in them. So I was just finally like, hey, look, I'm going to watch this movie. This is a trick I do sometimes. I'm going to watch this movie. It's your bedtime. You can either go to bed like normal or you can come in here and watch Iron Man with me. And they're like, well, fine, we'll watch Iron Man with mm-hmm. you. And uh, it was really interesting watching Iron I haven't seen it in years. And it's so grounded compared to where the Marvel Cinematic Universe eventually yeah, would everything go. everything is now universe-threatening. Yeah, whereas in this case, it's like, you know, inter-corporate uh, espionage. Like, mm-hmm. one guy's trying to take the company from another dude and working with terrorists under the table. And he doesn't seem like he has any kind of uh, evil plot beyond he wants to continue to be a profitable we- weapons manufacturer. Mm. He goes a little rogue at the end and starts having a fight out in the streets. But, you know, in California, you yeah. got to have that. It's fine. Jeff yeah. Bridges is in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That's a funny thing. Forget to about that. Yeah. yeah. And he's great. He's great in that movie. And you, in my mind, I'm going, eventually, there's going to be like a battle in Africa where one dude with a metal arm has a raccoon on his shoulder fight shooting aliens with machine guns. Yeah. <laughs> well, this That's movie's great. about a guy who builds uh, armor in a cave, you know? Yeah. Scraps. Yeah. It's been quite the journey. We got back to the original six in Endgame, and a few of them died. But then a few of them get more movies. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's incredible that they've managed to make as many good movies as they have. I guess I'm saying this almost like an apology to Kevin Feige before we uh, say not some not-so-nice things about the state of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which is less of a cinematic universe and the, more of a TV universe these days. Right. And we know that he's listening. Cause yeah, he's and he's a regular before. listener. He writes us every week, and he's asking for our advice. Clearly, you guys know more about this than we do. Can you give us some direction? Mm-hmm. And, and we we've been, we gave them direction for years, but now they're, they're less inclined to take it, it seems. Uh, they managed to pull this off for so long, and so many movies that range from at least good, if not great, and then sometimes better than great, at least a couple of magical times. Mm-hmm. Which is unheard of. Think about other big franchises that have the most potential in the world, everything going for them. They could get anyone to work on these movies, something like Star Wars. Like, uh, and they just can't do it. They cannot make good movies out of this crap. Consistently, yeah. Consistently, yes. Which, mm-hmm. So it's incredible that even after Disney bought it, even after there were so many people's hands in the pie, which sounds like a euphemism, but you know what I mean. They managed to make good movies. It had to end sometime. The good movies? The good movies and the consistent quality. The streak, yeah. Had to go. The streak had to end. It was almost like when Pixar made Cars. I remember the reviews being like, well, couldn't last forever. You know? Yeah. We're past that point. We're in a post-good Marvel Yeah. We, world. we exist in a She-Hulk, terrible <laughs> CG, green woman in heels. 
I don't know why she. Maybe she'll look better in the show, or maybe it's a show budget. I can't put my finger on it. The mocap, something's weird about it. Bad. But the Hulk looks fine. Maybe we're used to seeing him, so our brains are forgiving it. We have photo realistic apes that they do with mocap. It's people. Those aren't apes. Those are people in gray pajamas. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But She Hulk looks weird. Yeah. There's. It's. It's just. It's off the rails now too, where you can't even keep up. I, I tried. I tried at first. I watched Hawkeye. It was fine. I watched Loki. It was pretty clever and creative. I have not watched Miss Marvel. Did you watch WandaVision? I, uh, yeah, I got through WandaVision. That one yeah. broke me. I haven't seen Moon Knight or Miss Marvel. I oh, hey, did you Moon watch Knight. the... I forgot about Moon Knight. The Winter Soldier and I Falcon. did watch that, too. It was fine. It was fine. There was, yeah. like, a few scenes that felt... Like they were from a movie, but everything else was yes. like, I don't need all this. Yeah, it was like they clearly hit when they looked at the pitch for the season. Uh, they were like, Okay, so we need all the money for this truck chase, yeah, with flying. It was the helicopter scene that got me. It's like, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah, yeah, they had a couple of those, and the rest of it were like, Uh, and then you guys are gonna have to do a lot of talking. Oh, it's his shield. Oh, it's my shield. <laughs> oh, no, it's your shield. <laughs> Great, yeah, now we have to go here, now we have to go there. Man, it's just, it's weird to think. Like, uh, I guess that the Marvel Cinematic Universe made quote unquote geeks or fans, super fans, fanboys and fangirls out of a lot of ordinary moviegoers. Because there are people that don't really care at all about comic books, but they're like, oh, a new one of those movies, I'll go see mm-hmm. those. And it's gotten to the point now where me, as somebody who uh, spent a lot of his life reading Marvel comic books, you're uh, over it. I feel pretty over it. I feel like when the new show comes out, like nothing in me has any curiosity to actually see it. I don't know anything about Miss Marvel. I've seen the thumbnail and that's it. I didn't even know it was coming. I was like, oh, there's another one. Yeah. yeah. I I don't have anything in me that wants to watch it. That's uh, kind of a bummer. But it's, it's kind of a strange case study, too, based on the successes of certain characters where Iron Man got three movies and then he was you know kind of the lead in all these Avengers ones. Captain America got three movies. He got his own like Avengers movie. Who else do we have that had that many? Hawkeye never got a movie. Scarlet Witch got one movie eventually. Thor's got I mean, more movies. Black Widow eventually got her own yeah. movie, which was a very solid Marvel movie, but totally uninteresting. And then now Thor has four. Strange yeah, has two. Doctor Strange has two. It seems like with the Thor formula, the reason that it went the Guardians way it did. Has three. My suspicion, anyway. We'll have three. We'll have three, yeah. Black Panther's about to get another one. But it's yeah. not technically Black Panther. It's a Wakanda forever. It's a Wakanda movie. Yeah, someone else will be the Black Panther. They they established that mythology in the first movie that it's a revolving mantle. Yes. That gets taken But up. they're not... But it's not focused on right. a Black the Panther. The character yeah. of T'Challa. Is it, it just like called a, Wakanda forever? It's called mm-hmm. Wakanda forever. Well, it's oh. Black Panther. It's... Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, or Wakanda Forever, Black Panther. It I haven't even seen the Black Panther. I've just seen Wakanda Forever. Uh, I, be I a like better that. title. That's I, cool. I, I hope they go for that. It's yeah. more Dark Knight esque. Yeah, yeah. I think that the my guess, pure conjecture, is that with Thor, he had his first movie and people were into it, but it was kind of like the burgeoning, you know, early Phase One Marvel. The second movie has this reputation for not being terrible, but for being people's least favorite or one of their least favorites. And then uh, Ragnarok was such a home run in every sense of the word Mm -hmm. 
that the magic and the chemistry really seemed to be there between not only the actors, but with Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. That Marvel was like, just go, go, go do yeah. another one. Go do another one just like that. Yeah. You know? It's interesting, too, because you like the, thir- the first, Thor mo- two mo- first Thor movies, the two of them, he's this character. And then when he gets to Avengers, he's kind of a different character. He's more like, because it's got the Joss Whedon humor, and he's funny in it. Him and uh, Ultron, he's funny again. He keeps talking about how everybody's small and all these things. And then Chris Hemsworth does comedy really well. He does. Yeah. And then when Ragnarok came out, like Josh said, he's a completely different character. Like they just yeah. said, yeah, yeah, whatever. Now well, he's this. It's kind of like in the first Thor, where the laughs are how he's his 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 habits and his customs are so abrasive or odd to uh, human customs. Like where yeah. he's breaking the glass on the ground and saying another. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they like, used to oh. bleach his eyebrows and everything. Yeah, his eyebrows yeah, looked weird. To see him back one, yeah. then, now he's like all his gold horse god. Yeah, yeah, but it's like they just tried to lean into that part of him. Like, oh, this guy is really strong and brave and smart, but also a little weird and aloof. And they just like that's what they tried to develop out of him, and it just got bonkers. Yeah, yeah that's true. The uh, almost his the comedic beats. The first movie I was out of. Kenneth Branagh's Thor movie has a lot of comedic beats, but they all come from that fish out of water, Wonder Woman, like, he's so different than us, and he's stronger, and, you know, like, he talks funny. And uh, his dramatic moments, he used to have a lot of dramatic exchanges, especially when the Loki freaking plot that would never go away kept coming back in. It's an event. Obviously, he's the antagonist in the first Avengers movie. And they have that whole scene where... They do like a Shakespearean dialogue on a hilltop in the Avengers movie, and mm-hmm. it's full on in Old English and everything, which is how Thor talked in the comic books. I remember it being exhausting to read. And they even like uh, had a different typesetting for yeah. his talk that looked a little more <laughs> Old English. Um, and then they, you know, he he had the whole tragic backstory. It was his mom died, and in the Avengers, the fi- the final two Avengers movie, he's kind of like lost his way and sad and the fat Thor thing, which is played for laughs. He's still a different character. Ragnarok and Love and Thunder essentially reimagine him borrowing elements from his previous uh, comedic sensibilities, but an entirely new, almost surrealist, like it's just goofy on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. But he was also a bit of that in Infinity War too. He was that, yeah. yeah. He was that character because they said that they were famously asking like um, Taika how to like direct Thor now and how to right. what's his name how to direct the Guardians because they wanted to make sure their characters were coming through properly. Yeah, I think Guardians paved the way for Ragnarok for sure. Yes, they knew how they they just let James Gunn get weird with it and then like oh people love that let's have Taika Waititi do the same thing get weird with it and it works this space rock and roll film yeah uh but i i think that that it's they stole some of that comedy beats from like chris pratt's character too where they they give thor his sarcasm and one-liners but you know based on his arrogance almost it's like yeah it's kind of the same comedy as tony stark that bethany always loves where he has a very snarky Line, but coming from Thor, it's like, oh yeah, but that's that's very true. He is very strong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting though because the the Tony Stark character is the 
he is the funny guy that usually plays to the straight man, and that's how it's funny. Like, he's always saying something quippy and snarky and sarcastic, and usually in dramatic situations, you know, in Civil War, they're having this deep, profound argument about... And Tony Stark will say these, you know, like, dramatic things, but then he'll have another line that mm. Bethany is over here, like, crying next to you in the theater. But he did, they set him down in a dramatic world and let him be funny. Um, your point, I think, is the... is maybe the linchpin argument is that when James Gunn did Guardians, uh, an action comedy is kind of like a horror comedy. It's a really hard thing to pull off because it one tends to can one genre tends to cannibalize the other and compromise it. You mm-hmm. know, when people try to make horror comedies, it usually leans too much into one or the other and neither can fully establish themselves. You have like the rare, something like Gremlins or Shaun of the Dead, where it's like, it has both, or Evil Dead, it has both elements working in tandem and it creates something special. There used to be a lot of uh, action comedies, used to be a pretty normal genre, movies like Lethal Weapon, where you'd have at least a comedic dynamic between like a buddy cop movie or Mm -hmm. Beverly Hills Cop, but there'd be big action beats and car chases. Guardians went all in on bizarre like uh you have a talking tree and a raccoon and every motif in the movie has comedy in it the only thing that's humorless in the first guardians movie is the exchange between the villains the like terrorist kree guy Mm -hmm. and uh thanos their dynamic is serious other than that, yeah, the big finale is a dance fight. He has yeah, dance, do. yeah, dance off to save the universe, uh, and it yeah. really, really works because it has all the BA action beats too, with big space, you know, guns fighting, and mm. even the silly stuff manages to feel cool. Like the raccoon shooting the big gun is satisfying. It feels like a, a it's just good character development because he takes story. his character seriously. Give the tiny character the biggest gun. Yeah. Yep. He takes his character seriously, even if they're funny characters. He's not like winking at the audience. He's like, yep. no, I mean it. I just think that this is cool, and it comes through. Yeah, I think that Lethal Weapon is like a good example of that type of genre that these movies are probably stealing from to a degree is this is something like very serious life threatening and you've got these two these two guys you know making jokes to each other like no no you go first yeah no, duck behind a car and yeah. yeah it's like this is serious stuff but they're still they're still like they're taking a break from the action but like that's what's happening in Guardians 2 and in Ragnarok where they there there's these super serious scenes but then they break the scene to acknowledge like the, the the stakes are still super high, but then all of a sudden you bring it back down to earth, and it's like, oh yeah, now he's dancing. Didn't expect that, did you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he breaks. He's like, he stops his his evil rant and goes, "What what are you doing?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And somehow it he maintains the believability that he establishes for his world. It never right. starts to feel like, oh, this is so stupid. The stakes are the stakes don't go away. Right, they're still the same, but the tension is cuts, and you're enjoying it more. And you're like, it's almost like the audience is it's it's a wink to the audience in a way, but now like you're engaged more in a way that's like, oh, this is fun. We can just enjoy this without it being over the top serious. Yeah, and it makes them you know, it's a it's fun. It's pure fun, and equally satisfying as an action movie. And Guardians also set the standard in Marvel movies. I think the first one to uh, 
go all in on needle drops as part like the yep the uh, soundtrack was yeah, so a huge heavy part it. of what yeah. makes the action and the comedy so satisfying they, but they actually integrated the music into it where the first big song is like him listening on his walkman yeah 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 and then the juxtaposition of like hearing you know uh those songs songs from the 60s and 70s against these futuristic sci-fi backdrops and coming through like retro technology like he listens on a walkman mm-hmm. or he has a cassette deck in his spaceship created this you know interesting interplay and it's just so weird but also satisfying to hear you know hooked on a feeling while mm. you're seeing like a tree man yeah, uh, yeah. it's great it's uh and again I'm, i keep referencing all these old films but it's a lot like um a knight's tale yes where they're they're doing a joust to queen mm-hmm. like this is awesome <laughs> sometimes and it works yeah. you're doing that yes. medieval dance to david bowie yeah. And you're thinking, this, this is out of place, but I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because uh, I think that it, it takes a certain kind of stylistic confidence to go in on that kind of thing and have it not be lame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, it, and you have to embrace it. Like James Gunn, like you said, he found a way to integrate that not only was the, you know, the quote-unquote awesome mix actually practically integrated into the movie, it ended up having um, a dramatic resonance and resolves Peter Quill's arc at the end of the movie. The movie mm-hmm. starts yes. with the present and ends with him opening Awesome Mix number two. And you realize that these songs and what he's listened to in that moment, oh, these, this from was a gift from mom. his mom. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's, that's, I think that's a good point you're making. It's that we're getting all of these, these like, character traits that are quirky and weird and we're enjoying the laughs but they are still very substantive mm-hmm. it's not shallow it's not just it's not just fun for fun's sake it's it's all still very a lot legitimate of yeah. a, little, a lot of legitimacy and heart to to the story and the characters yeah. right so he paved the way to tyler's point for the opening sequence of ragnarok where thor is sitting in a cage with a skeleton and narrating yes. His, yes. his experience from the last movie until this movie. Yeah. Catching the audience up while he's You're thinking, talking. Why is he to, talking to us? Yeah. And then yeah. Oh, it cuts to the skeleton. Oh, he's talking yeah. to this thing. And then he breaks out and you get this really awesome, over-the-top, almost, almost wink-wink, but still legitimate, uh, action sequence where he battles a huge lava monster with his hammer while Led Zeppelin blasts. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's a Led Zeppelin needle drop in the first few minutes. Yeah. But it feels familiar. That, that first moment, too, where he drops out of the cage and he's hanging on the chain and he's talking to the villain, whatever his name was now, I forget. Oh, and he has to wait till he turns and around. Yeah, and he's slowly <laughs> turning. And you're like, this is a yeah. big deal. There's a fire monster. The stakes are high here. Oh, but he's he's breaking the tension with this like even yeah. Yeah. it's not just the audience, it's the actual villain right waiting for him to turn around. And it's different too because like James Gunn bases his comedy in heart, you know. And then Taika Waititi does that similarly, but he just like skirts the edge of wink wink so well, especially in Ragnarok, yeah. the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So Taika Waititi seems more inclined and effectively to go all in on comedy i mean you can 
feel the sensibility is almost like the surrealist or absurdist probably is a better way of putting it comedy from stuff like flight of the concords and what we do in the shadows and the dialogue based comedy and ridiculousness and visual gags, yeah. lots of visual gags. Well, what, what we do in the shadows is it just, it, it's, it's absurdity. It's like we're, we're dealing with vampires, but it's just very normal everyday comedy. Mm-hmm. It's like a, it's a sitcom yeah. with vampires. So that's kind of like the extremes. Yeah, he so makes work so well. He operates in that world, does a good job, and Ragnarok infuses all that unique kind of voice that he has, but into the Marvel formula. It still has all the same stuff. There's going to be a big universe-threatening event, and he introduces new characters that are show stealers, like the one that he plays in Korg, the rock alien, mm-hmm. and they get a this like running gag off a character that doesn't speak it's like a bug <laughs> meek mm-hmm. and then meek i mean he was still showing up in Endgame, and he's in love and thunder yeah yeah so all that to say we're in this weird world where we've seen something really fantastic in ragnarok which is arguably one of the better i mean i think it's probably it's for sure <laughs> there's so many of these movies that you can say top 10 and it's a legitimate thing to say because there's so many of them. Yeah, yeah. But it's for sure top 10, if not top five, top three. It's one of the best Marvel movies. Yeah, easily top three standalones, not counting like the tentpole ones. Right, the big sequel or mm-hmm. event movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is bleeding over into the new phase of not so great Marvel stuff. So we, or at least I went into this, the theater experience for Thor Love and Thunder thinking that it was a strange, bittersweet feeling because on the one hand, this is the first time I've been excited, really excited to see a Marvel movie in a long time. Like uh, the last time I had something, I guess, slightly comparable was for the Spider-Man movie. But to be perfectly honest, uh, that was more like curiosity. I was like, yeah, I heard that all the Spider-Men are going to be in it. That doesn't really feel like a Marvel or like a unique voice. That just feels kind of gimmicky to me. It was a cool movie, but it was, like we said in the podcast, a little fan fiction-y for my taste. But this, I was like, this is on the heels of Ragnarok. It's got this director who's so confident and assured and makes great movies. And we're going to get more of that. I didn't watch any trailers or anything. Went into seeing it. What did you guys think of uh, Thor Love and Thunder? Patrick? Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was really fun. I think that the we'll nitpick it, and if somebody says it wasn't a great movie, then I would say, yeah, sure. But I still had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of... Uh, I feel like this summer is the summer of movies that aren't great movies, but there's the gimmick that pulls it through, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, Doctor Strange was not a good movie, that but people movie. love the gimmick of, like, the pseudo horror and the multiverse stuff and that's what they liked and then yeah. i feel like jurassic world wasn't a great movie but they loved all we loved the dinosaur scenes and stuff and i feel like there's another movie i saw the other day it was a similar thing but this one is like that too it's like the comedy and the characters make it where you're like yeah that was super fun even though it was kind of struggled at parts mm. tyler what did you think of love and thunder uh <sighs> I, He's I, got his hands on his I, face. I, <laughs> it's not the follow-up to Ragnarok you want it to be. There are some fantastic scenes, really, really fantastic scenes, and a lot of stuff that just 
drags and he's just trying too hard to lean into certain types of comedy. Thor's behaving stupid. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I was, uh, I was was not as excited about his eighties or seventies, eighties Led Zeppelin rock and roll aesthetic. It just wasn't working. It felt forced. But there were times where it was awesome. Natalie Portman is like, it could have been great. She kind of was great, but she kind of was super lame and boring. Yeah. And she kind of just became Thor so fast without like any development. Oh, now you're doing this? Uh, yeah. I, I don't think it's anywhere near a five-star film. I think it's, 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 it's better. It's better than the other mediocre Marvel movies. I would cl- I would lump it with the mediocre Marvel movies, but you know it'd be at the top of them. Hmm. It's kind of like what Guardians of the Galaxy Two was. You, it's not the it's not the follow up to Guardians that you want it to be, but there's some great gags and some great laughs, like when they're trying to find the tape. Love that. Where's the tape? Man, that was the. It's <laughs> one of the best scenes in all these movies. That's, a, that's actually really, I think, astute comparison because Guardians. Two, which I've watched it more than once now, and it it does improve in my opinion on subsequent viewings. And it it, it strangely, unlike Thor: Love and Thunder, Guardians Two invests more in heart than the first movie. It has way more of a like the whole fatherhood and the family. Ending, yeah, the ending is very sentimental. Yes, yeah. so the Cat Stevens song and like the reconciliation of. Peter with the Yondu and Rocket with the rest of the Guardians. And it's very sweet. It's a sweet, sentimental story. But yes, it did, it did underwhelm in the first, upon the first viewing. And unfortunately, first impressions, especially in a the theater, they're kind of everything. You, you go into this thing wanting it to be like at least more of the same, if not even better, you mm-hmm. know, which is probably not fair, but what, we can't help it. He yeah. he had our hopes so high, and it from the outset comes on strong. There's an opening sequence and a title card, which is so important in the Guardians movie to date. Mm. That then you're like, oh, opening, we're here. The opening sequence in the sequel to Guardians is great. It's great. Oh, when they find that big thing, yeah. 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 As, the power as Baby Groot dances in a circle yeah. Through, yeah. through the fight, yeah. it's honestly even better than the original opening sequence, which is. You know, granted, a lot simpler on purpose, but yeah. So he puts you there, and then it's a little bit like Whiplash. You get a lot of flashes of that greatness, and then some really weird decisions, and some of the comedy doesn't really stick to landing. And then every now and then, it feels like you know maybe he felt pressure to be really funny and was trying to be mm-hmm. too funny. It feels a little unnatural, or like Tyler said, a little forced. That's similar to Love and Thunder. I think what's interesting about it is that. It seems like he just, at some point, either consciously or privately, was like, I'm just going to make it a complete comedy. I'm mm-hmm. still going to have action sequences and a bad guy, because it's Marvel. But all seriousness uh, is going to, even when the, you know, like Tyler's describing that you usually have these moments where there's a break so that there can be a joke and then it's back to the high stakes. It's like there was kind of no break. Mm-hmm. Even when Thor is talking to a boat full of kidnapped children on their way to their death, presumably, at the, for all he knows at this point, you know, like he's in there and 
everything he says is for comedic value. It's Whoa. like everything's a joke. They're tickling his nose while he's in a trance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that while he's in there, he keeps rubbing his face, and you're cutting back to the... These are kids who think they're going to die. Yeah. So yeah. that's like as high as the stakes in the movie can get, and we're still making the most ridiculous jokes. Yeah. It, yeah. I, I, I laughed at them, though. I laughed at the I laughed consistently. Thing. Yeah, yeah I, I think that you're right. Taika wrote a comedy film, and then he tried to have like these tense moments that felt out of place. And then he had world class actor Christian Bale acting his, his heart out. Yeah, so, and, and then was, Natalie Portman, who's trying to show up to do her job well. So the movie opens with a with the Christian Bale thing, and it's heartbreaking. And it's, yeah. And he's and he's like he, he he's going for work. it. He yeah. can't help but go for it. That's yeah. all he's gonna do. And that whole that, scene was that like the opening sequence with him and his daughter, yeah. and eventually he finds that God is great. Mm-hmm. It was. And it was, you're, you're asking yourself what is happening, and then you f- finally get the context that it's like the villain origin. And you think that was fantastic. Christian yeah. was fantastic. But then it didn't really like play. It well doesn't. The rest it doesn't stick to that tonally yeah. until the very last That's scene of the movie. I didn't think about that because there is a comedic shade to that sequence. It starts really brutal and tragic. He finds his way into this oasis and meets a god, and then there there's a little bit of like the god is fantastically out of touch with his people, and, and he's oversized. Yeah, and he's prissy and like. Yeah. He says a couple of goofy things, and it they're they're yeah. funny, it's but goofy it's, side characters are reacting in the bushes. Yeah, 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 but it didn't offset the the dramatic tension of Christian Bale's character. Uh, that I thought was going to be kind of the tone where you had both things coexisting without one gobbling the other up. As the movie went on, it, I mean, really from the first, there's an attempt to recreate the magic of the the battle sequence in Ragnarok set to Immigrant Song, the, mm-hmm. the Led Zeppelin track. This time, Guns N' Roses is the the soundtrack band. Mm-hmm. And they put Welcome to the Jungle against a space fight. And it's, you know, you're like, oh, okay, here we go. They, you know, it gets loud, and he starts spinning the hammer, and you hear the, the opening riff of, of Welcome to the Jungle. And then there's a moment in the fight where... Two space pods are flying at Thor from either side. You know they're going to crush him. Oh god! But he does yeah. a split in midair. He does the the Van Dam thing. Mm-hmm. He does yeah. the Van Dam thing yeah. and holds both of them up uh, while the rest of the guardians are forced to just kind of just watch look at their, their shoes and, stuff, and yeah. roll their eyes. And you you realize in that moment, like, oh my gosh, I don't know if we've seen a visual gag that committed yet. Like. That's ridiculous. Because mm-hmm. he's yelling at these bird a- monsters, too. And the, the aliens themselves look hilarious. They look yeah. like they're CG, but they almost look like a Muppet. Yeah. Those, mm. those bird aliens at the beginning. Uh, and while, <laughs> while Axl Rose is singing, you just realize, oh, okay. Like, I was into it. I was laughing. But something in your brain mm-hmm. has to change over. Yeah. No, that's actually kind of where it lost me. I thought, uh-oh. <laughs> the splits thing. The splits thing was too much. No, I was I was into it at this point. I was like, keep going. No. Let's just and see how far you know, the, I didn't like it. To Tyler's forced, point, forced. the, the like stakes are over powers. because yeah. he saves this civilization <laughs> and then you know, like the one thing they wanted was their place of worship preserved, but he destroys it. So he's like, There you go, you're welcome, and then it crumbles to the ground. And he's like, Oh, okay, well never mind. So it's like, Oh well none of this 
yeah. was meaningful in any sense. In Ragnarok, he fights that thing, and then that thing ends up bringing about Ragnarok, mm-hmm. the titular threat of the movie, yeah. just like it said it would at the beginning of the movie. So it actually has like a... I'm inevitable. Yeah, it has yeah. A, a significant bearing on the, on the plot and the resolution of the movie. And this one, it was just like, oh, that was just a joke. It was like a boner joke from WandaVision. All that to just watch the thing fall down. Right. Yeah. And it, it, the, his, his, he, what he's become as a character at that point in the film, like we're being reintroduced to him. He, he's, he's recovering from his endgame losses, and now he's this Thor doing these things. It's like, uh, and then he does the splits. I thought, I don't know if I like this Thor. <laughs> they really lost you with hey, the split. Hey, do you huh? remember when he was riding the hammer like a broom? <laughs> I, I hated that. I hated that. Oh, that I thought, cool. all right, all right. I honestly, in my mind, I thought, okay, that's funny. You can have this one type. Don't do anything like that. And then it went to the splits, and I thought, oh, no. But there were some good jokes in between the broom and the splits. I had a thought of a previous Thor joke come to me during the viewing of the movie. Uh, and it was one of the funnier visual gags, to me anyway. Not the funniest, but one of the funnier ones. Um, a moment where Star-Lord is, you know, they're, they're clearly kind of tired of Thor at this point, And he wants to bless Thor going out on his own to rediscover himself and find whatever it is that he's been looking for with the Guardians and hasn't been able to find. And Peter Quill gives him this speech about, like, you just need to look into the eyes of the person you love. And, you know, as he's saying it, Chris Pratt's character is looking at the other Guardians. But <laughs> Chris Hemsworth's oh, face is just drifting in. into the frame, <laughs> yeah. like, as if he's trying to steal his gaze. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the most over-the-top, ridiculous visual gag. Hilarious. And I thought of this line, I think that it's in uh, uh, Ultron, where uh, they they're finish a mission at the beginning of the movie, they're on the spaceship, and they say, uh, should we go back and celebrate? And Thor says something about like, yeah, you know, we worked really hard to find this. We should have revelries. And Tony Stark's like, okay, revelries, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's the kind of humor that they used to use Thor for. He mm-hmm. said a funny word in the revelries. Yeah, yeah, he said the wrong word. But now then they they this. would give him some gags. They go to that party and they're arguing about their girlfriends and like, oh, Pepper, she's busy. And yeah. Thor just goes, Jane's better. Yeah. And that was that was funny. He's just like, oh, yeah. he's brash. Right, but now he's doing the thing where he leans slowly into trying to steal <laughs> Peter Quill's with that goofy gaze. look on his face. Yes, everything. with this big wide-eyed, and then you know the movie goes forward with its plot, and it it kind of felt a little fumbly to me at times. Yeah, I think Patrick's point is maybe the best one is that Jane Foster literally goes from showing up for the first time since we've seen her proper S- since Thor two, sitting in a in a. Whatever their <laughs> chemotherapy chair, uh, uh, cancer chair, the cancer, cancer chair. chair. <laughs> She's getting chemotherapy, so we're like, oh, okay, this is serious. She's got cancer. That's mm-hmm. obviously going to be important. She can't solve it. She's a scientist. She's in there looking at all the old magical books, and she can't. She's do like it. an astronomer. Why does she know about <laughs> cancers? Let just she, get the treatment. What do you? That's not working. It's getting worse. Oh, then she looks over to the side and remembers that she has a book about Mjolnir, the whole, the hammer. Yeah. And it cuts from there. Well, she claims that Mjolnir, the hammer, spoke to her, and like she later her, says that. Yeah, not in this scene. Holy she Ghost. She says or... later the uh, the the Holy Spirit of Mjolnir called her. Mm-hmm. That she immediately cuts to New Asgard 
and the which has become a tourist destination. You get a few visual gags out of that, and she's looking at the hammer. And then the next time you see her, she's Thor. That yeah. felt so rushed. Yeah. Could've, this like, could have been the movie. Thor finding himself, her finding herself. It, it was just too much going on. But we have the freaking God Butcher, which is an awesome name for a character that didn't really do much. Besides, you know, he butchered he some, gods. some gods. Yeah. Gods yeah, that but, we don't know or care about. They're off yeah. screen for us. He right. just kind of like made some silly faces and got beat up from our perspective. But yeah, and let's he here. Let's funny faces. Let's get off on this tangent for a second. Well, that's a bad choice of words. Let's uh, go on this tangent for a second. Uh, <laughs> I know that people are really enamored with Christian Bale's performance, and obviously, there's no denying that he's a top class talent as an actor. I felt like it was kind of hammy sometimes. A little bit. It felt a little much. I felt yeah. like he had two dynamics to the Gore character. And one of them was really threatening and scary. And that was when he would kind of like peer down over his brow and almost be like dead eyed and let mm-hmm. his mouth hang open and talk slow. Mm-hmm. And then there was times where he was almost going for like a more jokery, very like where animated. we'd cackle and be yeah. silly and clown like. I didn't feel like that side of it was working very well. I didn't either, but this is what I think the bigger problem was is that. Uh, his story was rushed too. Like we get this great opening and then after that it's just little bits and pieces of what's going on and then like a big fight at the end. But I feel like the character didn't, we didn't see him grow into the God Butcher character or deal with all that. You know, like I feel like more screen time could have like rounded those edges more so that we get like the yeah, full version of the Yeah, if we actually went with him to hunt and kill a few gods, almost yeah, like Magneto it, in first class or something. Yeah, he's just kind of like a video game bad guy at this one. He's just hanging out waiting for the last fight. Kind yeah, of thing. they give him a motivation and that's it. You got to wait. Then he's, by the time we get to him, he's well yeah. into his conquest. Yeah. And he, he stole some kids. That's bad. Yeah. He so we, we don't those, like him. Shadow spiders and, mm-hmm. and um, the shadows are cool. And they didn't, yeah. I don't did, did they bother not that Marvel I guess they don't always do this but it seemed like they could have at least offered some kind of explanation as to how his power works so from what I remember it was just like he had a bad sword so he can do whatever well the sword contained evil that sure. that called to him or chose him the god said chose you and that kind of consumed him because he was already so angry at the god Yep. Here's a and, fun fact. And, and the, then somehow it can control the shadows. Right. In the comic book, it's not shadows. It's a symbiote, the venom thing. It's like their god. Oh. Uh, really? It's, yeah, it's not shadows. I it's the symbiote. Yeah. Well, there's, this is, this is well, where then my, they reinterpreted that as a way to make it work. A yeah. great place to make a point about where my attention exists in this film is because when they eventually get to the dark world, yeah, sure. <laughs> if you will. Yeah. Uh, that could have been like the highlight of the film to me. The whole fight sequence on that tiny little dark planet where you yeah, can that see level the, of Mario see them running the curvature of it. Mario Galaxy, so mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Well, it's so small they can like you can see them standing on opposite sides of its you know face, and they went black and white with it except for a few glimmers of color from the hammer and sword and another sword, the hammer and the axe or whatever. I thought this is fantastic visual filmmaking. And the fights on there was so, so solid. But then they get to the scene where 
where uh, the God Slayer captures Natalie Portman and the Valkyrie and is, is like, it becomes dark and tense where Thor's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to save them. And there's the moment where they get wrapped up by the shadow tentacles and their mouths are covered. And Christian Bale's monologuing and he, Natalie Portman gets sucked away into the dark and it's like, oh, geez, that's horrifying. And then they do the same thing to Valkyrie that she gets sucked away into the dark and then a split second later, he's bringing them back. So he can monologue some more. It's like what? <laughs> Which is about it? That. Which is it? Are they getting sucked away into the yeah. dark? Or are they is it horrifying? Back? Yeah, or yeah. not? And then you're going to immediately bring him back so you can use him as props again. What? Which is it? How do they resolve that? How did he get him out of there? I don't remember. They eventually start fighting again or something. They like they break the. I don't remember. Because he but, would do that thing a lot, like where he he'd get in a conflict with them and then slink away. Yeah. Like, oh, not, not today. You yeah. got to wait till you beat the next level, and then you can mm-hmm. fight me again. But it's like, here's something super serious, but it was kind of like lazy filmmaking. Like, you, you can't add tension by ripping them from the scene and then immediately bring them back in. Yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was no of, real threat. Yeah, it's just lazy filmmaking. It, it, it was very similar to my uh, big criticism of Ready Player One, where it's like, yeah, shove all these characters in. That's lazy. But the final scene where they're like in the back of that truck and there's like four or five different shots of them opening and closing the doors because they couldn't write all the characters into the resolution. It's like, this is just lazy filmmaking. You can't they all have to come and up shut. and have their moment yeah. in the van. Yeah. You can't open and shut these doors four or five times in this one yeah. 60 now, seconds. You wrote yourself into this corner. Yeah. Now you've got to get those characters out of there and find it's, some excuse. Yeah. You can't. You've got to iron out those Problems. Yeah, it's got to make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was a moment uh, at the, I don't know, maybe half hour in or something, where Patrick and I and our friend Peter were sitting together. And uh, there is one of the, easily the most ridiculous gag, and it happens multiple times in the movie, and the funniest one, uh, where they're having a scene in New Asgard where there's a town hall meeting. And which is a, it's a really funny set piece because they've gone for this like shanty, you know, like Harbor town vibe with, and it's a tourist attraction. Right. Yeah. You're introduced to it in Endgame. Yeah. And then yeah. in this one, they've got cruise ships out in front of it now. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they're monetizing new Asgard and people come in to see all these, you know, uh, Thor type things. And Thor is trying to call the hammer away from uh, Jane Foster from across the room. He's got his hand out. And he's like, I think he's actually saying, come to daddy or something. Come on, come on, come on. Which is funny enough. And the hammer's not responding to him. And then we cut to like a side profile of Thor where it's like um, he's on the, you know, the left side of the frame. And the axe, yeah. Stormbreaker, floats slowly in. floats in <laughs> yeah. as if it's a jealous lover and yeah. has caught him flirting yeah. with someone and turns around and he's like, oh, hey, what's up? Like the <laughs> the, the hammer and the axe are fully anthropomorphized now yeah. right. later on. And then this keeps happening. The axe keeps catching him looking at, or he's like, oh, no, I'm just catching up <laughs> as he's talking to the hammer. Yeah, he had to go pour beer on it one time. Yeah, so he reconciles it on the boat. Pours beer and he's like, "Here, have a drink." Pours beer on his head. He scratches his quote unquote yeah. chin. Yeah, so, oh, I'm sorry, we've been fighting. It's yeah. like, what has <laughs> happened? <Yeah. laughs> but when that hammer floated in that first time, that, that was funny. That shot, we yeah. the three of us started laughing so hard that we couldn't recover. We were like a bunch of Bethany's. <laughs> the scene kept going. And we were still over there. Still, you could hear us yeah. finally quiet down, and then someone would start giggling again, and we'd start <laughs> laughing at that. Yeah. 
And uh, then what really got me is during that meeting, they were like, what the heck is Meek doing? He's like, he's taking minutes. And they cut to a shot of that bug character that we haven't really seen that much. He's in like a little suit, yeah. and he's just drawing pictures of everything all over the chalkboard. <laughs> what the heck is going on? <laughs> yep. It's almost like he's just cramming like... As many jokes. Oh, that, and this yeah. would be funny, and this would be funny. So you can tell they're having a lot of fun. Chris Hemsworth is obviously having a blast. Yeah, he's very cut out for it. Remember when he was like, they yeah. stripped him naked, and the, the women pass out? And then that scene's funny enough that it goes to all the back tattoos and it says R.I.P. Loki in a heart or something like that. Yeah, just little opportunities. Like, oh, how can we make this even funnier? Just jokes what, on top. How of could jokes. there be another punchline? Put some tattoos on his back. Yeah. That'd be funny. Yeah, yeah. The the jokes were funny. Some of them were really funny. Some of them were forced. I I just I just feel like he he didn't quite get some of it right. Like even the ending sequence with the characters resolving their their you know growth pattern or whatever it is. That's like what is it? Is what's Natalie Portman's deal? Why is the hammer here to save her or is the hammer killing her? You know? Does she? Yeah, that was unclear. And then, her whole thing was and, very unclear. And then Thor sp- spoke into the hammer in the you know the past monologue when they were dating about always take care of her so is it taking care of her is it or is it not and how how if the hammer had his direction to take care of her now it's no longer loyal to him even though it's being loyal to him by following his direction which is it this these are all great questions here's another big one if there is an entity at the center of the universe that one can travel to like a superhero can travel to, and it grants any one wish. Thor knows right. about it. And Thor knows that it's there. He, it's part of their mythology. Yeah. Why didn't he do that? How did all these movies happen? Yeah. Why didn't the Avengers just go? Why didn't Thanos just go straight to that? Yeah. yeah. You don't get all these rocks. Why hey, I got one wish. I want half the universe's population to randomly disappear. Yeah. One wish. That's it. Yeah. Well, Thanos couldn't. They needed Stormbreaker. To, to get into it, right? He needed the he needed the Bifrost to get into the wish. Well, place. surely resolving that issue would have been a lot easier than getting all five Infinity Stones. Are there five of them? Well, yeah, he had Stormbreaker. As soon as he like Thanos snapped his finger, he's like, "Crap! All right, let's go make this wish and undo it all <laughs> instantly." Well, the I'm trying to actually I'm trying to defend this now. Let's see. <clears throat> when he made Stormbreaker, it was the giant dwarf. Yeah, <laughs> who said uh, big dink? <laughs> he said, mm-hmm. "Legend has it that it can even summon the Bifrost." Meaning, they're going to make a weapon that could do that. Meaning, it it didn't exist before. So, Stormbreaker didn't exist until Endgame. Meaning, they couldn't. Have yeah, but Asgardians had to, access to the Bifrost. They could have made Heimdall. something. Yeah. And didn't Thanos kill Heimdall? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's your mistake right there, Because Heimdall was just throwing. Yeah, just hold Bifrost, Heimdall yeah. up. He threw Hulk. He bifrosted Hulk to Earth. Yep. And yeah, then at least the, once you have Stormbreaker, you don't have to do all this time heist Thor stuff. should have done it. Yeah, just, just go straight to that heist. Go He's like, I forgot. I forgot there's a genie at the center yeah. of the universe. <laughs> yeah. But then, but then we finally meet that genie, and I loved the visual aesthetic of that genie. Just an empty void with space inside it. It was, it was cool looking. Yeah. Uh, and then we finally get there, and Christian Bale's character's resolving, and Natalie Portman's dying, and we're thinking, what did we learn here? And his one wish isn't 
anything significant. It's just bring my daughter back to life as I die. Inexplicably, I'm dying, but bring my daughter back to life. That was strange, too, yeah, because he... He could have made it a wish where just return me back... They were very unclear or about him him being mortally wounded until the character tells the audience yeah. that he's mortally yeah. wounded. Yeah, well, dying. he tells them by like, okay, time for me to make a wish. <coughs> Whoops, I'm dying. Yeah. No, yeah, he yeah. says. So they have a fight, and it's clear that you know they've exchanged blows. I just thought that was so bizarre. Why not have there be a clear like, oh, he took a you yeah. know he took Stormbreaker to the stomach, and he's about to go. He limps up there with his. You know, it's so obvious that it's his dying breath, but instead he gets up there and Thor's like, no, don't don't use your wish to kill me. Use your wish to bring your daughter back. And he's like, but I won't be here. And you're like, wait, what? You won't? How come? Yeah. Oh, okay. Now he's, he's on the ground. Now the I guess he's dying. Now the important's like, she won't be alone. Huh? <laughs> you're making Thor adopt this girl? <laughs> I don't understand. Is this girl replacing Natalie Portman? And is he replacing? It's just the weirdest yes. thing thrown goes, together at the end. It goes too fast. Parts of the movie, the struggler, when it just, it just goes too fast. That's why it's frustrating, so. because it's not necessarily... We spent all this time on the comedy. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> it's not necessarily that it's inherently nonsense. It's that it could have made sense had you bothered to tease out these threads that yeah. you can see the connect, like, oh, okay, well, if you wanted that to happen, then, you know, now we're writing this movie for him. But all it takes is even something as simple as, like, if we knew that he was dying before he told the audience, that wouldn't have seemed so, like, mm. abrupt. Yeah, and I just feel like anytime you have a genie in the bottle type thing like this where you can wish anything, anything, we're always going to critique the wish that's being made. He should have wished to go back in time to the day his daughter was born, having learned his lesson, and he won't worship. Yeah, just his undo God the anymore. events of the movie. Yeah, go back and be a father again. Why are you letting yourself die and let bring your daughter back to life to be raised by this guy you were just fighting? We don't know if he's going to be a good dad. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's true. not. He's not demonstrating. That's that, true. He does it. not live a very domestic. He's lifestyle. not great with the kids. I think that you're. I never thought of that. I think that your idea for the wish would have actually been a better conclusion to the movie. Yes, just let him go back in time, and then none of that happened. Yeah, everything undoes itself. But Natalie Portman still does. And then all of a sudden, we're back at home. We're like, oh, we didn't even see the movie. <laughs> yeah. oh, well. And let me say this: I didn't like Russell Crowe. You didn't? No. Oh, that was funny. No, it didn't He's work. a Greek god. I liked him <laughs> he as a character. He is a Greek god. I liked him as a character. I liked the lightning bolt gag. I liked the whole god mm-hmm. thing, like the arena of the gods. But I didn't think Russell Crowe delivered the comedy very well. <laughs> no, I thought it was funny because he didn't even bother to work out to be Zeus. No. He's kind of like a doughy Zeus. That seemed to play but, with the character, though. Hey, and then did you stay for the stinger? Yeah, Hercules. Yeah. yeah. So then the people are trying to act like they're actually excited about the this. dude from Ted Lasso. Is that who it is? I, I don't know. Yeah, people love Ted Lasso. People love that guy. He's not. He's not good. I don't. They're like, like oh, like that. We're all gonna be. Oh, I'm like Hercules. Yeah. This has got to be one of the stupidest Marvel characters. I mean, it's just like not even a Marvel character. It's just straight up lifted from Greek yeah. mythology. I guess. I mean, we're always all cosmic and time travel and stuff, but still, when they're like, "Yeah, it's all gods and Hercules," it felt like this. Mu- we're going this far with this. Hercules, this seems too yeah. much. It seems like the Asgardians were like. They just live in a different realm, and you know they live for a long time. But Odin died, so they're not immortal. 
Mm. Now there are there's Zeus is for real. <laughs> Throw but a then lightning once, bolt. Yeah, like the consequences of the movie have no bearing because Zeus Zeus dying was an important piece of the conflict of this movie. It's like, oh, now we have to hurry and we can't get help from the gods and now they're going to try to kill us. Mm. Never mind, he's not dead. Yeah. He's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, rumor has it from Taika Waititi himself. Apparently, they watched the screening of that on the opening day screening and they got to the end credits where it said Thor will return and the Taika Waititi and Chris Hemsworth looked at each other and went, huh? <laughs> well, at that point, this could mean anything in the world, right? Yeah. They could mean Natalie Portman. Right. They could mean a freaking frog. Yeah, it seems like Disney's trying really hard to inject kid characters because they're trying to make them kids' movies like they made Star Wars into kids' movies. They're trying to inject, I think, all of these kids into them like Hawkeye is all about this young girl who's trying to be like Hawkeye. Yeah. And then he's got this kid army in this one, and now he's raising a kid. It's just, it's like... Oh, I didn't think about that. Yeah, Josiah, our friend Josiah, who's on the show from time to time, said that he suspects that the lead-up is to Young Avengers, which does not yeah. seem cool. Right, because they announced, this is movies talk, but they announced the next two Avengers movies coming in years from now. 2025. Yeah, but there aren't a, there aren't a lot of Avengers around at this point. I guess there's a bunch of them still. Yeah, is the Falcon going to lead the high school Avengers? To glory, I guess. Whatever, man. Well, what did you think of Thor, Love and Thunder? Are you still excited about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Are you enjoying and or looking forward to this robust slate of Disney Channel originals like Miss Marvel and She-Hulk? Are we just grumpy and disillusioned? Correct us or agree with us or something in between by leaving a comment on this episode at You Hate Movies or by arguing with us on social media. Everything is at You Hate Movies. If you enjoy the show and want to support it, there's a couple of ways you can do that. One is fast, easy, and totally free. You can go to the Apple Podcast app and leave You Hate Movies a glowing review. Some of you listening to this are like, eh, they don't need me to do that. But we do. It actually helps a lot. If you want to go one better than that, you can go to patreon.com slash you hate movies. And for the price of a cup of coffee every month, you can get bonus episodes straight into your veins. Patreon.com slash you hate movies.